Welcome to MoFo Perspectives, a podcast by Morris and Forster, where we share the perspectives of our clients, colleagues, subject matter experts, and lawyers. Welcome to MoFo's ESG Pathways podcast series. I'm Marsha Ellis, Global Chair of MoFo's Private Equity Group. In 2022, we surveyed 100 Asia-headquartered fund general partners with AUM of more than U.S. dollars $1 billion to gain their insights on how ESG considerations are impacting their investments and the market. In this podcast, MoFo's Global Chair of ESG, Suze McCormick, and Shanghai-based partner, Chuan Sun, discuss how funds in Asia can better incorporate climate considerations into every stage of their fund management and investment lifecycle. Hi, this is Chuan Sang from MoFo Shanghai. I have been working with many companies and clients who have recently focused a lot more on ESG topics. Suze, I know you have been working in this area for over 20 years. So just please help us understand what is the relationship between climate and emission? Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, Suze McCormick. And I think, you know, ESG, as you mentioned, is extremely broad. It has something like 200 factors As you mentioned, one of the key factors in ESG is climate, and many companies and investors don't understand the distinction between climate emissions and climate risk, but they're really two sides of the same coin. Emissions relates, obviously, to the greenhouse gas emissions from a company and its operations, but with scopes two and three, companies and investors are not only responsible for their own emissions, but basically for all of their counterparties. And for climate risk, most companies and investors use the TCFD climate risk scenario analysis is really looking at the risk posed by climate change on operations. The example is a manufacturing company that has a 20-year contract with a supplier. They need to know whether that supplier is going to be underwater or not. Companies are required to do this in many jurisdictions like the EU in terms of monitoring and reporting. And in the U.S., those regulations are coming, particularly through the SEC. Well, it is also true in China that a lot of investors and companies focus on ESG reporting, which is aligned with China's broader policy on environment. That's right. I've noticed a lot of Chinese companies are also focused on it because they have business relationships with companies in the EU and the UK and the United States. And so their counterparties are requiring them. So it's a combination of what is required commercially and then also what is required in terms of the regulations out of China and otherwise. We're also often asked questions related to climate about how asset managers particularly should be factoring ESG and climate into diligence and deal screening. In the U.S. particularly, how investors view ESG when they are looking at investing in companies really differs on whether they are a sustainable or impact fund versus a mainstream fund. But if they are a mainstream fund, they do screen so they understand the climate risk, just like they understand the economic risks associated with an investment. And increasingly, emissions and climate risk evaluation can impact valuation or the price that an investor will pay to invest in or purchase a company. Was the same thing happening in China? Yes, it is. I think in the past, the environmental due diligence is always part of broader due diligence efforts by the legal team. 
but it is really focused on liabilities, and then the parties will factor that into price negotiation. But really, ESG and the environmental diligence focusing on ESG is more an ongoing basis, looking at the future and the sustainability instead of just the liabilities of the past violations. And increasingly, I'd be interested about what's happening in China, but in the U.S. and in Europe and the U.K., LPs are requiring that once a company and once an asset manager invests, that they be able to report on climate risk, climate governance, and emissions with respect to the portfolio companies. So there is a great increase in the amount of reporting up from portfolio companies. And it used to be that reporting was sort of a side letter or some information on the side. Now it is often reported together with the financial reports with an explanation of the intersection with the financial, but it relates to both the asset manager and to the portfolio company itself. I will also mention that there's been a lot of work on the data that is used to evaluate performance on climate in ESG from a group that was actually started by Carlisle that has resulted in what's called the Data Convergence Project. And what about in China? In China, a lot of the funds have LPs outside of China, and then basically they're following the same reporting requirements. In addition to what is required about LPs, the government really emphasized the 2060 carbon neutral goal, and therefore a lot of the new regulations and policies have been adopted to achieve that goal. So that is a driving force for additional reporting on ESG. Well, thanks a lot. We hope that this short podcast has given you some insights into the climate issues faced by Asia headquartered funds and their portfolio companies and the next steps that they need to take in order to prepare for further transitions in this important area. The MoFo Global Team is here to help you with all aspects of your ESG journey, including advice, training, and insights. Contact us at ESG at MoFo.com. To learn more about the MoFo ESG Asia Funds Report, to take our online survey, which helps GPs benchmark their progress on their ESG journey, or to listen to more editions of our ESG Pathways podcast series, visit our dedicated page on the mofo.com website. Thank you for listening. Please make sure to subscribe to the Mofo Perspectives podcast so you don't miss an episode. If you have any questions about what you heard today or would like more information on this topic, please visit mofo.com slash podcasts. Again, that's mofo, M-O-F-O dot com slash podcasts. 